I'm going to pray, and I'm going to ask you to remain standing as I read the, the passages as well this, this afternoon. Today we are thankful, Lord, for you and to you for life, for everlasting life, for those that are in Christ. We pray for those that are not in Christ, that they will get in Christ, that the unsaved will be saved. There's a world that doesn't know you. And you have entrusted us with your word to tell people about the Lord Jesus Christ, the need to repent of their sin. We pray today that we will not be slackful nor slothful in telling people about judgment, mercy, forgiveness, salvation. We will give the whole counsel of God. We will tell people that in order to be with the Lord, one must Accept him as Savior, repent of one's sin, and accept him. Today, open the word to us. Pray that you will give us hearts to hear, hearts that will be receptive to the word of God, hearts that will be open to all that you have to say. We give you glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Matthew chapter 5. Please remain standing. I'm asking you today if you would remain standing while I read. Matthew chapter 5. I will read verses 1 and 2 and verses 4 and 5. Then I'll go to a passage in Isaiah and Psalms. Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. I'll be reading from the NIV. Now when he saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Verse 4, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Turn in your Bibles to the book of Psalm, Psalm chapter 37, verses 9 through 11. Psalm 37, beginning at verse number 9, 9 through 11. Psalm 37, verses 9 through 11. And this is what it says. For evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord will inherit the land. Little while, and the wicked will be no more, though you look for them. They will not be found, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. You may be seated. I'm going to read another passage as you're sitting there. Luke chapter 4, verses 4, excuse me, Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 19, I'm going to read. Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 19. He went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. 
Unrolling it, he found the place where it is written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me, because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That is taken from Isaiah chapter 61. Verses 1 and 2. That is the passage that the Lord quoted. The Sermon on the Mount, part 2. Blessed are they that mourn, and blessed are the meek. Point number 1. The mourner's response and reward. The mourner's response and reward. The second beatitude grieves over the first beatitude of one's sin. Those that mourn are remorseful over their sin. It is noted by Dr. John Butler that the first beatitude deals with the intellect. And the second beatitude deals with the emotions. We said last time, a few weeks ago, that when we look at those that are poor in spirit, it is not talking about one that is physically poor, but is one that is poor spiritually. We recognize that we are deficient when it comes to our spiritual life. We are bankrupt. You have nothing that you can give to God. Nothing that you possess that God can say, oh, that is wonderful. In our spirit, we are empty. So those that are mourning are mourning over the fact that they realize that they are bankrupt. They are deficient. Mourning is a natural outcry emotionally when one sees their condition before the Creator. When we think of Isaiah in, in the Word of God when he says, when he saw the Lord in the temple, he cried out, Woe is me, I am unclean. When we stand in the presence of the Almighty God, our unrighteous condition blares out. It, it, it shows that we cannot stand in the presence of a holy God in the condition that we are. We are undone. We are a people of unclean lips. God's holiness shows us our unrighteousness. When we think of those who mourn, it is those in the world who are unable to see how desperately poor they are before God. And as a result, those in the world can't mourn because, you know what? They're not even recognizing the condition that they're in. Intellectually, they don't even see the fact that they are sinners. So they can't, they can't mourn. They, there's no mourning with them. Blessed are those who mourn. The Beatitudes really are what we would say are paradoxical. 
Now, a paradox is a contradictory statement that nevertheless is still true. When you think of something that's a paradox, it, it makes one say, well, how can that be, even though they see it's true? When we look at the world, the world tells you, in order to make it, you've got to be strong. You've got to show yourself. Don't let people walk over you. Don't you mourn over anything. Don't you show any weakness. That's the world's remedy. But God does not operate as the world does. The Beatitudes are a paradox. What the Lord says is a strength in the Beatitudes. The world cries out, that's a weakness. And their reality and their rather their their response is to do the very opposite of what Christ says. The mourning is a response. The outcry when one sees their condition. It is a benefit, God says, when the Lord is teaching, it is a benefit to mourn. Why mourn? Why show such emotions over one's condition? Because it lets us know that it is only the Lord that can do the work on the inside to change the person. We mourn because we know there's nothing that we can do in and of ourselves. We, we mourn because we recognize that, that, that when we look at what God has done and where we stand, that we are dangling over hell. We could be dropped into the pit. We mourn because we know that's what we deserve. Then when we think about how God scoops us up, takes us, pulls us back from the brink of of death, and helps us to see that that we, we, we mourn because we're able to see what he's done and is doing in our lives, it helps us to recognize the blessings of mourning. What, what does mourn mean? What does the, the word actually mean? It means to lament. It means to be well. To be sad. To be sorrowful. You can't hire somebody to mourn for you. You can't hire somebody to shed, your, shed tears for you. You see, in the Old Test, in the New Testament, there were people, and possibly even the Old, there were people that would be hired, as I told you recently, that would mourn. They'd cry for you at your funeral. I need to pay you some money. Would you come and mourn at my daughter's and husband's funeral? Would you? What's your charge? How much do you charge? To mourn. What's your fee? (laughs) This is not the mourning that this beatitude is referring to. It is not a mourning over 
another person or the death of a person. It is a mourning because of one's condition. The mourning is personal. There are a lot of people today who don't mourn. The world doesn't mourn. You, you, you know what the world will tell you? The world will tell you that you are fine just like you are. The world will tell you there's no reason for you to do anything differently. If you're sad, be happy. If you, if you want, if you want to, be, to be positive, think positive thoughts. But one must understand that intellectually, one is bankrupt before God. The world is telling you something that will lead to a path of destruction. This beatitude is for those who allow themselves to be instructed by the Word of God. If you're not instructed by the Word of God, you can't mourn. You see, there are people that are trying to mourn. There are some people trying to mourn. But they don't have the Word of God. There are people that's trying to do a lot of things, but they don't have God's Word. You see, we need to understand. It was Jesus that saw the crowds, and then he sat down. And then he said something very interesting as you look again at this verse. Blessed are those who mourn. Everybody's not mourning. Everybody that was there listening to Jesus wasn't mourning. Everybody wasn't changing. There are going to be people sitting right in church going to hell. There are going to be people thinking that I'm okay just the way I am. Why? Because there was not a mourning. Those that were present at this mount are going to look at the Savior and say, I remember I was there, but they didn't do anything about their condition. Each beatitude addresses the spiritual condition of people and it requires a spiritual response. Each beatitude is dealing with the spiritual state of the person and it requires a spiritual response. It is truly unfortunate that most people, that most important, that the most important part of the person which is spiritual is not mourned over. When we think about the spiritual life being the most important, people don't mourn over that. They mourn over the stock market going down. There have been people today that's mourned and have jumped out of windows because they lost their fortune in the stock market. There are people that's mourning because their car got totaled. Even though they came out alive, their car was totaled. They are in mourning. There are people in mourning because they didn't have the type of coffee at Starbucks that they wanted. They were out of your flavor. But there's not, there's not enough people mourning over their spiritual condition. The world celebrates that which is sin. The world raises their hands and claps their hand over decisions by judges that have a political agenda but don't have the Word of God. 
The world is opposed to the things of God. And so you can have dancing in the street when God says there should be mourning over one's sinful condition and sinful state. One's emotions are running counter to what God's words say they should be. You cannot have mourning before one sees their bankrupt condition before God. Why are so many people inside the church and outside the church not in mourning? Because the word of God is not penetrating your heart. There's no penetration of God's word in the heart. It hits the person and bounces off. It's like when I was a kid. We had, we played baseball. And there were, and if there were just two of us, which oftentimes there may have been, we had a brick wall as, that would go up the driveway. The person that was batting would stand by the brick wall. We throw the ball, and if the ball, they didn't swing at it, it hit the brick and come right back to the person that's pitching. That was our backdrop, our back catcher. We had to improvise because there was nobody back there to catch and throw it back, so we used the wall. It bounced back to us. That's what the Word of God is doing with many people. It's hitting the wall, bouncing right back. It's not penetrating. It's not getting through. There can be people that hear the Word of God year in and year out and never change. People can hear the same appeal and say, I've heard that before and never have done anything about the first appeal. And say, why don't you say something different? Well, why don't you do something different? Growth comes because one is taking in the Word of God and living it out. The reason that some people can't get off milk onto meat because the Word is not penetrating. Bottles in our mouths and mourning because can't get no milk. The little nipple is Closed up. Remember that Jesus said, Blessed are those who mourn. This suggests that everyone was not going to be a part of mourning, but only those that responded to the word of God. Those that were there. There are people in the church that hear the word of God and respond. And then there are people in the church that hear, that hear the word of God but don't hear it. Mourning, mourning. Emotionally. Well, what's the reward? What's the reward? The reward of those who mourn. What's the reward? The reward that it says will be the Holy Spirit himself. Comfort. The name paraclete means one who comes alongside. That is the name for the Holy Spirit. The paraclete. The Holy Spirit, the comforter, the counselor. He's our advocate. He is the one that comes alongside us and provides the comfort. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be interesting, comforted by the Holy Spirit. Why doesn't the world have any comfort? Because they don't have the Holy Spirit. 
The Holy Spirit brings comfort. The Holy Spirit brings deliverance. The Holy Spirit brings abundance. The Holy Spirit brings life. The Holy Spirit brings joy. And get this, the mourning that one does, the reward is not solely in eternity, but for those that mourn, the comforter comes after the mourning, not before. After the morning, you get comforted. A lot of people are trying to get comforted, comforted, ain't even doing no morning. Comfort me. No morning. A lot of people want to hear love, love, love. But there's no comforting. Why? Because no mourning is taking place. The Holy Spirit comes when the morning. What's the reward? What's the issue? Blessed are those that mourn. You're blessed. What's your reward? Being comforted? Being comforted? That's the Holy Spirit's job. That's what he does. He brings comfort to the soul. And it happens after. Is everybody comforted at the same time? No, because it's individual. Some people get comforted because they are mourning sooner. Some do it later. They get comforted then. Comforting doesn't happen. How come you being comforted? Because I've already been in mourning. How come you have this and I don't? Because I've paid the price. How come you have this and I don't? Because you paid the price and I haven't. We want one's blessings, but we don't want the mourning. We want the salvation, but we don't want to repent. We want heaven, but we don't want to do what it takes to get there, which is accepting Christ as one Savior. So hard to do. Oh, why do I got to say, Lord, forgive me of my sins, and then live holy? Too hard. And there will be people today, people spending eternity, saying, I should have. Point number two, meekness is not weakness. The second, the third beatitude, meekness. This meekness here, the meek, the meek. Blessed are the meek. It is said that the beatitudes get more difficult as they go on. Jesus gives sequences. First you have the intellect, one sees their condition then some, then one does something about it the morning. Beatitude two. Then the next condition leads to meekness. One, a humbling out now. Each of these beatitudes doesn't get easier, becomes more difficult. What is meekness? According to Dr. Butler, it is impossible to really define meekness with just one word. It can't be defined concisely. It takes many words to define, to define meekness. The problem is not that it can't be defined, but it is a problem, he says, in, in being able to define it concisely and exclusively. You see, when you define something, you normally have a concise meaning, and then it's exclusive. This word pertains to this. But with meekness, that's not necessarily the case. 
Meekness has often been confused with weakness. Because the word, word meek is not readily expressed in the English, the words that are used to define it, gentle, humble, mild, have been wrongly mistaken for weak, not strong, wimpy, etc. Being a timid person or weak was not even a part of the understanding when the word meek was used here. Meekness could be said to be submission under quiet control, but would show strength when God's word was being abused. We think of Moses, who was said to be the meekest man. Put up, if you would, find Numbers chapter 12, verse 3. Moses was a man that the Bible says was very, very meek, very humble. Moses was no pushover. Moses was a man that showed great strength. Now, the man Moses was very meek above all the men that were upon the face of the earth. But when it came to um, um, Miriam, and it came to with Brother Aaron opposing them, he, he was a man that showed passion about their condition. When it came to Korah and Korah's rebellion, he said, you are to appear before the Lord tomorrow. Then let's see who the Lord has chosen. Moses was a very powerful man when it came to upholding God's word and defending God's word. But when it came to himself, Moses was a man that would be willing to be taken advantage of. He was willing to even say, Lord, remove my name from the book of life if you're not going to take these people with you. Lord, we want you to go with us. Don't just send anyone. We don't want you to say, we want your presence to go with us. Jesus Christ was meek and humble. And yet, he was no wimp. He was the one that went through the temple and took a whip and cleared it out. Today, the world tells you that to be meek is to be weak. Show some backbone. Let nobody run over you like that. Don't let people take advantage of you like that. But meekness sees that God will avenge his people. God will take care of the situation. Basic meaning of meekness in the Beatitudes means mild, gentle. And the Beatitude of the meek quotes Psalm 37, 11. Psalm 37, 11 that we read. Let's go back and look at Psalm 37, verse 11. And this is what it says. But the meek will inherit the land. And some Bible says it may be earth, but will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Now in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Jesus, as I mentioned, was said to be meek and lowly. And I already gave you the example of Jesus. And yet he was willing to go to the cross to die for our sins.
Even when the, the religious leaders were trying to trap Jesus and bring the woman that was caught in adultery in John chapter 8, stooped down and began to write on the ground. When they were saying, the Bible says, the law says that she should be stoned. Jesus began to write on the ground. They kept waiting for an answer. And then he says to them, let the one of you who is without sin cast the first stone. And all the rocks they had in their hand, you can hear them going, plop, 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 plop. And the Bible says, starting with the oldest, they started leaving. Now, I know what's been said. What people, what was Jesus writing? I know some of y'all want to know. He revealed it to me the other day. He sure did. He said, none of your business. When one thinks of meekness, one, one thinks that of Moses and Christ. One thinks how one is humble before the Lord and yet very strong and powerful in their convictions. Some people say, I don't let nobody run over me. I get anybody told they try to run over me. I don't let nobody say something to me. Well, Jesus was the most powerful person that there was. Yet, he was very meek. And he knew how to say what needed to be said. What's the reward? Only those that meet the criteria of the meek can get the reward. Get this. Only those that meet the criteria can get the reward. Those that will eventually inherit are the meek. Now get the word he says here. The meek shall inherit the earth. This is in direct opposition to those who think that violence and conquering through force allows them to inherit the earth. The earth is given by the one who owns it to those who are the meek. You understand this? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. And the Lord gives it to those people that have humbled themselves, that are gentle, and it's not a little plot. He gives, the Bible says, the earth. This is future. There are some people that think that they're going to inherit the earth, some groups, because they belong to a certain religion. But even in the book of Psalms, and in Psalm 37, the Bible says that the meek, but it is the unrighteous that's cut off. And let me just throw a point in here. I don't have time to develop this. There are many people who feel, and, and the Bible teaches, but, but again, I'm, I'm just going to raise it and move on as best I can. There are some who feel that there's going to be, when we talk about the rapture, and dispensationists think that 
there will be a thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. There are different viewpoints that people have. But let me say this. When you look at Scripture, when the Bible talks about the meek, you look from Genesis, Psalm, Matthew, Revelation, it speaks about the wicked being cut off. When people say that the righteous are going to be taken up to heaven and that the unrighteous will be left, actually the opposite is actually, when you look at those passages more carefully, it's the righteous that inherit the earth and the wicked that are taken away. Think about, let's start with Noah. They were taken away in destruction. They were removed from the earth. Those that remained were those that were to inherit the earth, the meek. The ark is one example. When the Lord talks about in Psalm, look at what it says. Look back at Psalm 37, verse 11. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. In fact, I want to go further up. Verse 10, a little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land. When you look at these passages, the Lord promises the land, the earth, when the earth is recreated by God, and we think about what God is doing, it's for the meek. It is for his people. Not us and the, and the unrighteous that's left that inherits it. They're taken away. Whenever you hear about judgment, it always talks about a removing of the evil from the land. In Matthew, it speaks of the righteous, the meek, being the ones to inherit the land. Future the meek, they will inherit. Now, understand, it's not a plot over there. It's the earth. It's the earth. Some groups think that some will be in heaven, some on earth. It's not what the Bible teaches. In order to qualify, in order to qualify for the reward, meekness, as been said, is required. Meekness is a part of what's in the person, what's in, what's in the package of one's spirit. It is something that God gives. It is something that happens out of the natural result of one's intellect, knowing that I'm sinful, and then it goes to mourning. The next is being meek. God will one day create, will one day change and deal away, deal away with all that is evil and wrong. And it's the meek that's going to inherit the land. Think about this as we get, bring this to a conclusion. The meek don't, does not obtain the land, as I said, currently, but it is something that one can look forward to. Currently, right now, we see a lot of vile sinners who possess the land. But get this, they don't inherit. They may possess now, but they're not 
the inheritor of the land. You see, there are people today who have things that they possess, but it's the one who owns that gives the inheritance. The one who owns who gives the inheritance. When a person who doesn't know the Lord, when they leave, their possessions go. No more. But when the meek, for them, when their reward comes, they gain the earth. What are you working for? What are you hoping for? Are you, are you looking to grow in Christ? Are you looking to have all that God has for you? Are you hearing the words of God? Or are you content right where you are? Are you part of the meek? Are you the one that, that has mourned over your condition? Does this beatitude, does this promise relate to you? You see, it's for all of God's children. It's the children of God, the meek, that inherit the land. Where do you stand? Where do you stand in your relationship with the Lord? Bow your heads. It is a person that says, Lord, I will allow you to fight my battle. I will allow you to do the work that needs to be done. The wrong that's happened, I see, know that you see. In my spiritual condition, I realize I'm bankrupt. When I look at myself and look at you, Lord, I recognize that I'm undone. Oh, but I put my trust and confidence in you. You want to be sure that you're connected to the person that can give the inheritance. Are you connected? Is there anybody in this place right now that has not made the connection? Anybody in this place today that has not said, yes, Lord, to, I, 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 I need you. I need you, Lord, in my life. Anyone that has not, raise your hand. I'll pray for you. If the Lord was to come now, would he say, yes, you are the meek of the earth. You are the meek. Lord, in this place today, we thank you for your wonderful goodness. There's nothing that we can pay for. The inheritance, don't have enough money for it. But Lord, you said that you would give it to the meek. Help us to be meek. Help those who know Christ to be meek. Help us to be surrendered to your will. To, Lord, be convicted over our condition. And to say, Lord, you do the spiritual work in us and help us to live out your glorious will. We give you all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise. May the name of the Lord be praised. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. We'll see you this week. Amen.